Hi, this is Michael, and you're listening to Soma's podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It's our vision as a church to help as many people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. This podcast is a vehicle to further that vision. If the content has encouraged you in any way, we'd love to invite you to join us in helping us reach more people with the message of Jesus through this podcast and all that we do as a church. You can help by giving on our website at soma.church. We're in a series in the book of Mark called Kingdom Come, and the journey through Mark leads us up to Easter. If you're ever in the area on a Sunday, we'd love to host you. For more information about location and service times, you can visit us at soma.church. Enjoy the message. Mark 10 is where we're going to be today. Mark chapter 10. We've been in a series in the book of Mark, and we're headed towards Easter, towards Holy Week and Passion Week and towards the resurrection of Christ. But in Mark chapter 10, um, Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, and as he's doing that for the third time in the book of Mark, he points to, he predicts his death for the third time. So he tells them the Son of Man will be killed and raised to life three days later is what he says. So it went from like kind of alluding to it to now he's just like saying it out loud. And uh, you would think that the disciples, you would think that the followers of Jesus would have like questions attached to that moment. Like, wait, what? Like, like Jesus begins to tell them, hey, I'm, I'm headed towards the cross. I'm headed towards death and I'm going to be raised from dead on the third day. But they don't stop and they don't ask him questions around this. What happens right after he says this is James and John, uh, two kind of his, of his core followers, they go up to him and they're like, Lord, uh, can we sit with you? Like in glory, like in heaven, can we sit next to you uh, on your right and on your left? You know, if you're building a cabinet, is there like a VP or like a secretary of state, commerce, we're not really interested in agriculture, whatever. I just want to, is there, can we be top brass in your cabinet? And they begin to kind of jockey for positions. The disciples get upset. Like, how dare you? Like, what kind of crazy audacity is that on the part of James and John? We know you're cool and everything, but also, and some of them are just mad because they didn't think of it. And so they're basically just like, man, we, we want to be great. Like, we want to be great in the kingdom of God. And here's what Jesus says in Mark 10, 42, very familiar passage. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus says, hey, even I'm here to serve others, and I'm here to lay my life down and, uh, and really step into the agenda that God the Father has for me and, and I have this assignment. You better believe if I'm going to be serving people, you as my follower, you need to be marked by service of others. And so if we're following Jesus, and we're t- we talked about that in this series, we're called to follow him to a place of serving. And so, uh, so, so many of us, we feel that, and we, we're like, okay, I understand that. But the particulars around how we do that are, we're, are lost on us sometimes. So we feel the felt need of like, I know I'm supposed to serve. I don't really know how to serve or what I'm supposed to do. Here's our whole mission as a church, if you're new to our church family. We want everybody to know God so they can find freedom, discover their purpose, and then make a difference. Really, that's it. We want people who are far from God to come to faith in a real relationship with God through Jesus. That's the know God piece. And then after that, what happens is God begins to work on you. And so some of the things that you've been dragging around, some of the things that are undealt, some of the things you need freedom from, and it could be stuff you've dealt with your entire life. 
He wants to give you over to a place of freedom. Why? So that you can begin to discover the purpose for which you were created. And then ultimately, it's about making a difference together as a church family, as the body of Christ. But most people come to faith in Jesus, and, uh, and then after that, they're like, okay, what now? Or, or they struggle in those two areas. The area of finding freedom and the area of discovering purpose is where most of us are hung up. I'll be honest. Majority of this room right now is hung up on finding freedom or discovering purpose. So if you're like, man, I just know I need, I, I got this area of my life or I got this thing that I'm dealing with or I got this struggle. Or maybe just like, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel like I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, what I'm supposed, like what I'm called to. And so we get stuck. Uh, in that space. And there were some seminaries who did research on this whole idea of purpose and this whole idea of service to others. And they found that 87% of professing Christians didn't know their purpose based on this survey. This is American church. And I think, man, that is wild. Even if they're off, because you're like, it's a survey, they could be off. 87% of professing Christians would say, don't really know what my purpose is. And I want you to think about this whole idea that for us as SOMA, this word soma is a reference to the Apostle Paul. He gives us a metaphor for the body of Christ, and that's what that is. And the whole idea is that we're many members and we're one body. All of us have a part to play. All of us is an important function in terms of what God desires to do in and through the world because of his church and because of the body of Christ. But what if 87% of your body didn't know its function? Let that hit for a minute. And, and we're wondering why the church doesn't have greater impact. We're wondering why the church feels impotent. We're wondering why the church doesn't take ground, why more life change or transformation isn't happening. And it's because so many of us, we're stuck in that space between finding freedom and discovering purpose. We don't know. We know we're supposed to serve. We don't know how. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Romans 12, 2, it says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's repentance, changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do I know God's will for my life? I let him first change the way that I think, and then he gives me over to real direction. So once we begin to see the way that God sees, it changes our mind about who God is and about who we are. It changes our mind about who the people are around us, too, which is super key. But there's several things that a lot of times will keep us from serving others in our sweet spot or serving others in the call that God has on our life, our purpose. The first one is confusion. So a lot of times it can be confusing. Don't know what I'm supposed to do. Don't know, like some of us aren't even aware if you're new to the faith or, or you've had no conversation around spiritual gifts. We're coming out of a series at the beginning of the year called Overflow in Galatians and just this whole idea of being the fruit of the spirit. All of us as believers are called to that, but then also God particularly graces your life in a certain way. So you have certain gifts and passions and strengths, things you've been affirmed in, things you're amazing at that nobody else is amazing at the way that you are. And so uh, we know that because we, we're around people all the time. Like even in our household with Brooke and myself and our kids, like everybody is so different. And so but it can be confusing to navigate like the whole talk on spiritual gifts I didn't know that was a gift. I didn't know prayer was a gift. I didn't know hospitality was a gift. I didn't know works was a gift. I didn't know faith was a gift. I didn't know these were gifts. But confusion is one thing. Comparison is another. So some of us are confused about what the purpose and the call is. Comparison is another one. I'm too busy looking at your portion or what God's doing in your life to really focus or steward on the things that he's handed, handed me. And a lot of us live here, especially like in a world where all of us are staring at a cell phone. So I'm, I'm too busy watching somebody else's highlight reel rather than living my life in a way 
that would help others and honor God. And that's really what he's desiring is that, hey, instead of just focusing on what, what's going on in everybody else's life, what if we were just present? What if you were just present in that conversation with your spouse or with your kids? And what if you just, instead of focusing on what you don't have, you focus on what God's handed you. And then as you steward what God's handed you, he begins to hand you more, right? So comparison is one thing that, that robs us. Counterfeit is another thing. So confusion, comparison, and counterfeit. Pursuing stuff or wealth or achievements or power as an end of themselves, but they're empty. They're great vehicles for purpose. They're, they're great vehicles for serving others. They're terrible ends and of themselves. Like if, you're, if you build your whole life about getting some title, and man, if I could just have that place at that job in that space, man, I would arrive. And then you finally get it and you're like, wow, that's it. Or if I could just get this certain dollar amount, I'd be good. And you get that dollar amount, and you're like, actually, this dollar amount, right? It's just kind of like a, a moving, uh, moving target for us. But the whole idea is, is that we just we go after counterfeit purpose. And we're not made for counterfeit purpose. We're made to help others and honor God. The Bible tells us that God made us to serve him. He made us and gave us identity and purpose. And then it shows up in a number of ways. It shows up. And when I come to faith in Jesus, the Bible tells me I get a spiritual gift. There are spiritual gifts in my life that he's, he's had ready for me, and they begin to come alive. My heart and my motivation behind what I do is a real example of um, the purpose in my life, the abilities that God's given me, talents, your personality, your experiences, good and bad. The idea is he can leverage all of that in service to others. And so God wired you and shaped you to serve him, and it's been a part of his plan all along. The Bible tells us even before you were born, he had a call on your life. He had a purpose for you that preceded your birth. Good works planned in, pre in preparation for that. Ephesians 2.10, for we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so the whole idea is that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. You'll hear me say that a lot. The whole idea is that every single person who's here, you're a masterpiece. You're like one of one. There's never been another you. There's never going to be another, another you. You may have a doppelganger or somebody who just like walks around. You may have somebody like saw you in an airport one time. Like, you look just like my cousin. You may have that. But you're never like all the context, background, things that you're amazing at, all lived experience, all that is unique to you. And the idea is it's. You're, it's yours to steward. God put you here for good works, and it's been a part of his plan for your life since before you were born. And so the whole idea is that I don't have to make a purpose. So many of us are trying to, like, make a purpose. I just have to discover the one for which I've been created. And that's our whole goal as a church is to get people to think different about purpose. Hey, I'm not making it up. Like, you can't make yourself better at whatever the thing you wish you were better at. You're, you're amazing at whatever it is you're amazing at. And it's like, that's what I was made for. I was made for that. As a matter of fact, if you've never had that moment where somebody looked at you and said, you were made for that. Like, that's our, that's our whole goal as a church is to be a vehicle to get people to discover their purpose in such a way that you have the moment that somebody looks at you and is like, dude, that you were made for that. That's wild, right? And so um, in this passage, he's talking about service and how in following Jesus, we're called to be servants. We're created for service of others, to others. And service and minister in Scripture is really the same word. And so in Christ, we're really all called to ministry. And this whole idea that if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, you can tune me out. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a ministry. 
So people ask you, how many ministries do you have at Soma? We have like a couple thousand. How many ever of y'all are coming like a collectively called Soma home, right? Ministries, that's what we have rolling at Soma. This is 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like the living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so he's telling us in this passage, hey, you come to Jesus, one who has been rejected, but one who God is honoring. And as you come to Christ, now all of a sudden, once I'm in relationship with God through Jesus, now I'm a part of this priesthood. Now I'm a part of this ministry, and I have a part to play in all of it. You heard this passage. This is same chapter, different verse. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Here's the point. The point is my life calling is to really be a bivocational minister of Jesus. And you're like, hold the phone. I ain't signed up for that. Yes, you did. When you came to faith in Christ, like basically the whole idea is that Jesus is sovereign over everything. You surrender every aspect of your life to him. And then he puts purpose, he puts service on all that you do. Every relationship, your workplace is no longer just about your workplace, but it's about, it's a vehicle to help be an extension of who you are in Christ and share the hope of Jesus. So it's like, it's bivocation is like bifocals, right? You can see two things at the same time. You can see far away, you can see close up, you can see with clarity. And when you're in bivocational ministry with Jesus, it means that no matter what you do in life, you do it for two reasons. You do it to help others and to honor God. That's it. Why do I work this job? Help others, honor God. Why am I in this relationship? Help others, honor God. Why am I here? What am I doing? To help others and honor God. So whether you're an attorney, a teacher, a truck driver, a hospice worker, a homemaker, an accountant, a builder, a farmer, a stockbroker, the idea is you can do all of that to help others and honor God. You don't have to, like, quit your job. You don't have to move any of that kind of stuff. You just literally have to shift your perspective in that. That's our whole motivation. And so everything I do in life, if I'm in a relationship with Jesus, everything is about those two things. Colossians 3:17 says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, what, what's, what's the tone? What are the words that I carry when I step into that office, when I step into that meeting, when I step through the doors when I get home from work or whatever. How am I doing at encouraging and serving the people around me, helping others and honoring God with who I am? So everything in life, even menial tasks, can become meaningful when my whole focus is helping others and honoring God. So I can take out the garbage. Come on. I can take out the garbage and have purpose in that and have that be a ministry. Um, I, can, I can close a deal and that be a part of my ministry. I can teach a kid, that be a part of my ministry. I can prescribe medicine, ministry. I can help a neighbor with their yard, that's ministry. Here's one, I can change a diaper, in Jesus' name, ministry, to your spouse, okay? So it's like, I can serve people and, uh, and helping God and, and, or helping others and honoring God. And, and it just means that everything in life can have more significance. So even things that you take for granted every single day, Again, if we shift our perspective, it's no longer just like this small thing. It can have real significance. Matter of fact, some of the more meaningful moments in my life have been attached to not really big, crazy moments, but just small moments that God spoke to me. And so what if we took that perspective? How can I serve people right where I'm at? The calling to salvation and the calling to service are the same. 
So when you and I become a believer in Jesus, we surrender our lives to him. We also are signing up to serve others. Because he says so in Mark 10. Hey, I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve and to lay my life down as a ransom for many. Welcome to the club. How do I get in that club? You serve. You lay down your agenda. You lay down your life for the service of others. And so the idea is that every member in our church, every member in the Big C Church is a minister, and everyone has a ministry. But I think there's four things uh, four things I want to point to. For those of you that you're just kind of like, so you're in one or two places. You're like, got it, serve others, cool. Or you're like, actually, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm going to try and sell you on the benefits of service. These are things that you can't get outside of serving others. This is literally the way that God designed everything. This is biblical, also just the way that God designed life. You can't get to these four things that all of us want outside of service to others. The first one is this, serving others brings joy in my life. This is what joy is attached to, is again, service of others. Most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places, popularity and pleasure and power and position. But things like success and things like salary and things like sex and things like status, they don't bring lasting satisfaction. For permanent ongoing joy, it has to be, uh, you have to give your life away, is what Jesus says. We talked about that last week in Mark chapter 8. Hey, you want real joy? Go all in. Full surrender. Give your life away. If you want to save your life, lose it. If you want to lose your life, try and save it in your own strength. But the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to lay his life down as a ransom for many. And then Hebrews tells us, why did Jesus endure everything that he endured? Why did he go through shame? Why did he go through being beaten? Why did he go through being mocked? Why did he go through execution? Why did he go through everything that he went through? Hebrews tells us, for the joy that was set before him. It wasn't just about I just am in a mood, man. I just really want it. Like, it was all about, I, I want, I'm enduring all that I'm enduring. Why? For the joy that was set before him. And so this idea of purpose, fulfillment, calling, assignment attached to joy. You want the joy? Hit the assignment. What's God asking me to do? How's he asking me to serve? And so help others and honor God. And there's a couple, there's a couple secrets, I think, attached to joy. Uh, the first one is this. We find joy by getting the focus off of us. So I find joy by getting the focus off of me. And I don't live here, and you don't either, but in the times that I do, that I do hit it and the times that I do experience joy are always the times where I'm not focused on myself but on others. Paul says this in Philippians 2, 17 through 18. Even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering... On the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, like my life, you know, and he tells you about his life in Scripture in the New Testament letters where he was writing about all the things that he'd endured. He's in prison at the moment, actually. I've been beat up. I've been shipwrecked. I've been stake bit. I've been like stoned. Like the brother's just like, he's been through it. And he's like, you know what? I got joy. I got joy. He says this, even though I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad. I rejoice with you. And then he invites them into it. Hey, I'm in a, I'm, I've got joy. You guys rejoice with me. And it's just this, this remembrance, this reminder that the most helpful people in our lives are, are also usually really happy. Isn't it funny? The people who serve the room, the people who serve you in conversation or just in spirit are also people who are just really happy, happy. The more self-centered you are, the more unhappy usually you are. Philippians 4, 4 through 5 says this, always be full of joy in the Lord. 
Say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming. And I love that Paul, he takes joy and a consideration for others, and he brings those two together. Hey, rejoice always. And as you do that, here's how, here's how that should look. Be considerate to everybody in all that you do. And then he, and then he goes on and he says, because, hey, the Lord is coming. So if you are unselfish and considerate, the idea is that that leads us to a place of joy. And so Paul goes on in, in Philippians 2. He says this, very familiar passage. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you the interests of others. And I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in the message, paraphrasing. He says this, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. That's so good. Hey, would you please just like get the focus off of you for like five minutes and you'll better serve the room. And so if you lack joy, just exercise is like stop thinking about you. Like if you, have a, if you have a prayer journal and it's like all about your needs and not about others, right? If you're having conversations with people and you never hear what's going on in their life, you're only sharing what's going on in your life. Again, fundamentally, get the focus off of you and onto the people around you. And so joy comes from getting the focus off of me, but I also find joy by using my gifts to help others. So it's a shift in perspective, but also I got to use the things that God's given me. So when I use the gifts that God's given to help others, it's, the, it's that moment or the feeling that I'm doing something to serve other people, but I'm doing it in a way that, like, I, I love it. Like, I love what I do. And also I feel affirmed, like I'm passionate about it, but also other people, not my mom, because my mom thinks I'm great at everything, but, like, people that are not my mom are like, wow, you're really, you're amazing at that, right? It's that moment where somebody says, you were made for that, you need to be able to use those gifts that God's given you to make a difference in other people's lives. This is 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have, whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God that he provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And I love that because it's just a reminder that God's grace shows up, his gift shows up in various forms. And, and again, he equips the body. He gives you time. He gives you talent. He gives you treasure. He gives you relationships. He gives you passions. He gives you all that. He even, he even, even the hard things that you've navigated, brokenness in your life, things that you've done, said, stuff that you've done to yourself or stuff that happened to you, he's able to even redeem, put a purpose on that. So he, I, I just get joy by leveraging what God's given me. For, to help others and to honor God. So here's the second one. The first one's all about joy, that I would, I would, it brings joy in my life to serve others, but serving others also improves my relationships. There's a benefit to serving. Is every relationship, if you're serving other people in that relationship, that relationship is better. I know this feels like super elementary. It, you know, the kingdom is simple. It's not easy, okay? So it's like, just good to be reminded of what we need to be reminded of. Our relationships get better the more we learn how to serve others because the root of all of our relationship problems really is just self-centeredness. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but like, it's just, I want what I want when I want it. And, and then the person that I'm, I'm struggling with, and a lot of times too, the people that we struggle with the most are the people who are closest to us. I don't know if you've had that experience as well, like people who live with you. 
But like everybody thinks you're amazing who don't really know you that well. But it's like the people who live with you, they'll give you like a real evaluation, a real appraisal about how you're doing when it comes to self-centeredness. Just ask them, right? Everybody's looking at their spouse like, ah, like nervous. Like, but just, but I mean, it's, it's for real because I want what I want and, you know, other people are wanting what they want. And now it's just like a, it's just a tug of war between who gets their will, who gets what they want accomplished. And, and so um, anytime we have unhealthy conflict in a relationship, it's because of these egos that are at play. And so I need to check my motivation in my heart. It's not that conflict is necessarily unhealthy. I think it's natural to be in conflict. But I think there's a way to navigate it so that if I'm in conflict with someone, if fundamentally if I'm about serving them, like if my whole heart and motivation is like, no, I really do want to serve you, then, then I'm in a good place. But you got to really check your spirit and be like, how much of this is about me right now? And then how much of this is about serving that individual that I'm in conflict with? It's so important. It serves every relationship in your life. Um, this is Mark 10, 43 through 45. This is our theme verse. But Jesus, again, to remind us, whoever wants to be great, you got to be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We need to have this posture just like Jesus where we walk into a room and we're just like, I'm here to serve. Don't say it out loud. That would get weird. But just like walk into it and just, well, you can say it out loud. It depends on the room. But just like just walk in and just be like, man, I'm here. Like, who can I serve? I'm about to, I'm about to serve this room so hard right now, right? Just walk in and just like, that, that's, your, that's your agenda, and shift the mindset back to, again, a bivocational minister. I want to leverage all that God's given me in my job, my vocation, my relationships, everything to help advance his, his mission and his message. I'm here to help others, and I'm here to honor God. And when we get there, what happens relationally is your impact is greater. Your influence is greater. Your world is larger. Proverbs tells us the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and so, like, if I'm fundamentally thinking about serving the room, man, I'm just not focused on me. Life hack. If you go to a party, you're hanging out with a bunch of people. Try this on next time you do it. Walk up to someone that you don't know. Go up to them. Introduce yourself. Find some common denominator. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you get here? Where'd you move from? What do you do for a living? Whatever. Figure out the thing. Just wait. Just keep asking questions until they're like, until they light up a little bit. And when you find that thing that they light up, let them roll, just let them run with it. And ask them questions. Be interested in them. Like, ask them real questions about them. Don't be interesting. Be interested. Like, so don't, don't be the one. You know those people that when you're hanging out with a group of people and you tell a story, like, we just went on vacation. It was awesome. We did all these cool things. Or you have, like, a big fish story, like, really cool, something cool that happened in your life, some success, and then they just one-up you. Like, their whole thing is just like, yeah, I did that one time. 10 times better. And you're like, shut up. And you, like, you don't want to hang out with that person. You want to just hang out with people because overwhelmingly people are about themselves. So if you're in a group setting and you just go and you're like, hey, tell me about you. Talk to me about you. People have never felt more served than when you just learn how to listen. This is coming from someone who is garbage at listening. Okay. So, but I'm married to an amazing listener. So I walk into a room. I'm fundamentally thinking about how to entertain. What story can I tell? Hey, like, what can I, I'm thinking about all that. Who can I, engage with. And I'm like, that's cool. And then I'm on to the next one. And Brooke is like, she's just right there. She's like, yeah, tell me about your family. Tell me about, you know, she's, and, and people have never felt more served. So I think, I think you have to shift. We have to get the focus off of us and onto others. 
And again, that's what God's desire is, uh, to be interested in others, to help others and to honor him. Romans 14, 18 says, anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. There's a benefit. So God is like amazed that you're actually engaging. Like he loves it. And he's like, wow, that's amazing. They're killing it. But also people begin to take notice and they're like, I want to hang out with them. Like, I like them. They're so kind. They're so helpful. They're so encouraging. They just listen to me. They just, their whole goal and motivation is to, like, help me. You want to spend time with people like that. You want to spend more time, not less. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others, boom, are help. And it's like, it's like, uh, uh, it's like a Christian hedonistic mindset where the crazy thing about the God that we serve is he builds all of this. He invites us into sacrifice and service. But then he's like, hey, actually, as you do that, I'm actually going to give you more. So as you're a blessing to other people, I know it feels costly on the front end, but you're actually more blessed as you do it. And as you minister to others, I'm going to minister to you in ways that you never could have gotten to if you hadn't poured yourself out like a drink offering, like Paul talks about. Like, this is what it's all about. When I serve others, I'm served myself. And when I bless others, I'm blessed myself. And when I minister to others, I'm ministered as well in that moment. God's economy is wild. The more we give, the greater the return on the investment of others, and especially when it's centered on their eternity. And so this is, this is again, uh, Proverbs eleven seventeen. When you're kind to others, you help yourself. When you're cruel to others, shocker, you hurt yourself, right? So if we want better relationships... If we want better relationships, we need to serve other people. It will improve our relationships, but serving others also makes our lives more meaningful. So it brings us joy. We get better relationships when we serve. Also, we just get more meaning out of life when we're in service to others. Meaning doesn't come from making money. Meaning doesn't come from doing more things. Meaning is an, you know, money is an incredible tool, but it's a means to an end. So it's, it's not about that. And if you pursue that alone or if you pursue accolades or achievement or any of those types of things, they don't hold up long term. Money can open up doors. It can make life easier. It can save you time. But money cannot buy you meaning. It can't buy you meaning. I know people who have money who just lack fulfillment and lack general just purpose. Because, I mean, again, they've made somewhere along the way, instead of helping others and, and, and honoring God, uh, what happens is the more success we experience, the more influence we have, a lot of times the more money we make, the harder it is to just keep our focus, our eyes fixed on Jesus instead of getting distracted by the gifts that he gives. And so, again, serving others means I take all that God's giving me, everything that he's given me, and leverage it to help others and to honor him in that moment. Uh, it, it, really is about, it really is about the underlying motive behind what we do. Because some of you, you're like, I serve, I serve, I do all this stuff, right? And how many of you know those people who are, don't, don't, don't look at them, but how many of you know those people who are like, they, they do things and they serve, but they're just hateful, like the whole time they're serving. It's like, stop serving then, you're so hateful, right? So instead of, instead of doing it with the right heart or the right motivation, again, am I doing stuff to get credit? Am I doing stuff to punch a box? Am I doing stuff out of religious obligation? Am I doing things because God has transformed my heart and I fundamentally see people different than I used to? God, would you transform our hearts and help us to have the, just the, the perspective that you have for one another and for the Father? And so 
But in order to be a blessing to others, we have to get to a place that we're acting out of a place of service, not out of obligation, not out of reluctance, not out of compulsion, not out of religion, but out of a place of just real heart transformation. I'm doing what I'm doing to help others and to honor God in this moment. And so Mark 8, 35 through 36, we mentioned this last week. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? What good is it if you have, if you have all the things that you were after and yet you realize you get to the place that you're like, man, I, if I could just achieve all these things and then you achieve them and you're like, for what? For what is what the Bible tells us. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So when my heart and my perspective, my motivation is in the right place, even the small things that go unnoticed, even the things that you think, I'm never going to get credit for that. God sees you. God hears you. God, God takes note in that moment. And so everything we do for Jesus has a purpose. And even when you think it doesn't matter or no one's noticing, there's no impact, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And so serving others, it brings me joy, helps me with my relationships, it makes life more meaningful. And here's the last one. It will leave a legacy. Serving other people will be your legacy. However you have served will be your legacy. Again, not the achievements, not the success by worldly standards, not the amount of money. It's, it's how you make people feel. It's did you add value to people's life? Or did you take value from people's life? You're really only doing one of the two. And then how did I get served? Did they serve me? And you, you, you and I, we really leave two legacies. We leave one legacy on this earth. We leave another legacy in eternity. And I'll be honest with you, the legacy on this earth doesn't last very long. Now, it's meaningful and it has impact and it matters in a huge way. Like I remember I'm thinking about family members that I've been to and I've referenced this before, but my dad's dad, who, like, I stood in line, he never left the little area that he was from, like, the area that I grew up, never really left it, and stood in line and shook hands with people for, like, five hours talking about the impact that he had on their life. I'm like, whoa, and I'm just blown away by this. And yet, give, give about three generations, and no one's going to remember, Right? And so there's just, it's just stuff. It's just like the things we accumulate, the, the things that matter most are the people around you. Things that last forever are God's word and the people around you. That's it. That's what lasts forever. So you might, you might be crushing life. You might be, oh man, you might, you might run, you might be the president one day. That's amazing. You'd be a footnote in history somewhere, or you might like be killing it financially and you, somebody's named a building after you. People are going to drive by one day and be like, who's that jerk? I've never even, I don't know who that is. Or you might have all kinds of things that are getting sold at some yard sale someday, but the thing that lasts forever is eternity. Like people last forever, and it's what we do with our now that makes an impact on people's eternity. That's the thing that matters the most in the economy of God. Everybody wants their life to count, and the way that you make your life count is to help others and to honor God as you navigate life, and then you just point people to what Jesus has done in your own life. Again, you share the message and the hope of Christ as you navigate everything that life throws at you. Mark 10, 43, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. 
Hebrews 6.10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and you continue to help them. And I love this Hebrews 6 passage. It's just a reminder that again, even when you feel like the things that you're doing are not making a difference in people's lives, he tells us, author of Hebrew tells us, man, God is not unjust. He sees you and he credits to your account. There's going to be an opportunity at a moment one day where you stand before him. He's crediting to your account. It's the, it's the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ where we, you and I stand before Jesus. So there's two judgments. There's a great white throne judgment where is, is my name in the Lamb's book of life? Have I surrendered my life to Jesus? Am I come to faith in Jesus? Is my salvation in Christ? Have I surrendered? Second thing is after I've surrendered, I stand before Jesus. He takes full inventory of everything I've ever done, ever said, ever thought, everything. You've never been more vulnerable and more exposed in that moment. But he only credits you, the Bible tells us, he only credits you with what you did in his name and the help of others and to honor God. And so even the small things you feel like went unnoticed that didn't make a difference make a huge impact. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people. I think about missionaries um, who have gone and just excited and on faith and just bold to share the gospel with people. And, and they get there and they're murdered. They're martyred for sharing the gospel with people. And the thought is, if you look at that in the wrong perspective, you're like, for what? Not realizing as it happens that, man, God planted all kinds of seeds through the person that was will, willing to just lose their life in order to save it. To just lay aside their agenda to step into God's, to serve people, to help people, and to honor God with their life. Even if it looks like on paper, nothing happened, it happened. And they get credited. I can't imagine what they get credited in eternity in heaven. I think about the people, and some of you, I think about you as you navigate hard conversations at work. Because people who don't share your convictions, or you know, there's a policy, there's a policy. I don't know if you can share Jesus like, anyway. So it's like just, but I think about the hard, the, the ways that you navigate the hard conversations with family members or friends or coworkers. And how do I, how do I love people? How do I help people and honor God with my life, even when it's unpopular? Even when it's not cool, even when other people don't share my convictions, how do I stay fast in that moment? And I think fundamentally, again, it's just about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it's for the joy that's set before him for us that we endure whatever we endure this side of eternity. And, and really just ask the Holy Spirit to give us courage and conviction to just be able to do what we know God's asking us to do, even when it's unpopular. But he will not forget your work. And then John 12, 26 says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And Jesus reminding us, man, as we serve him and we follow him where he is, if we are serving, that's where we are, in his presence as we serve. You're never in Jesus' presence more than when you're in service to others. And then, and then he goes on in this passage, he says, my father will honor the one who serves me. And again, I'm thinking about the moment that we step into eternity. And listen, Nobel Peace Prize would be awesome. That'd be cool. Presidential Medal of Freedom would be great. You pick whatever your thing is. Like whatever, whatever trophy you would want to put on the shelf, that'd be really cool. But man, I, can you imagine the moment where you step into eternity? How much more awesome it would be that we are honored by God himself for those of us who serve with Jesus. 
how, how, I mean, that's what we're after. And I just want to remind us that's what we're after. Because I know it can be so, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get pulled by the world and broader culture in just different direction. Hey, pursue this. Hey, do this. And I'm not saying don't get the degree. And I'm not saying don't take the job. And I'm not saying don't make more. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying don't forget that it's not about that. <laughs> it is about helping others and honoring God. And you can do it with anything that, that this life throws at you, anything that you decide to step into. The greatest use of life is to invest it in things that last forever. The Word of God and people We've got three choices in this life. You can spend your life, you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. You can spend it on things that ultimately just won't hold your satisfaction, your fulfillment, your joy. You can spend it on things that at the end of getting the things that you thought you wanted, you get them and you realize they're just not that great. You can spend your life on that. You can waste your life. You can just sit around and just waste life. I know people who do that. You can, or you can invest your life. And you can say, hey, what can I invest my life in that just lasts, has a has an eternal return on investment, people. And, and, and some of you are like, why do I have this job, people? Why do we move here, people? Why do we live in this neighborhood, people? Why did God put me in this family, people? And again, getting the focus off of you and how can I serve the people that God puts me around? What is my sphere of influence? What am I, what's my span of care? How can I serve the room? whatever room I'm in. And then God, how can I leverage my gifts? You've given me so much. How can I leverage that to help advance your cause and your mission? I'm thinking about like, obviously we have vehicles as a church on Sunday. There's so many people, like over 400 people who serve on Dream Team, who do everything that we do as a church. They make the mission go forward. Literally right now, last week, there was over 150 some kids in Soma Kids. <laughs> Y'all pray for Soma Kids. There's over 150 kids in Soma Kids and people down there just smiling, welcoming people, checking people in, just like doing the thing, why? Because they, they remember what the impact was for them in some kid's church experience. They remember some Sunday school teacher by name. They remember, the, they remember what it was like for them to come to faith in Christ at an early age. And we desperately want that for your kids. But the whole goal, the whole focus is people. And then the th the think, think about Sundays, but think about Monday through Saturday. What are the things I'm already doing that God desires to leverage in service of others? Helping others and honoring Him. And so... Let me rob you of some excuses to wrap up. Here's some things that I would love for to just for you to not do. So don't excuse your excuse away the purpose that God has on your life in serving others. Don't say things like I'm not good enough. I'm not good at anything. I would love to serve. I would love to be helpful. I'm not good at anything. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You need to stiff arm that lie. Like you're one of one. There's never been another you. You are a masterpiece. And God has called you and positioned you on purpose to reach people in a way that nobody in this room can reach. There are people in your life right now that no one can reach the way that you can reach them. No one can serve them the way that you can serve them. And you're graced. You have gifts in ways that nobody else has gifts. And, and we know this because there's certain things that just really energize us and certain things that don't. I know what spiritual gifts I don't have, okay? I'm more aware of the ones that I don't have than the ones that I do have sometimes, right? So it's like hospitality is a great example. Some of y'all love hospitality. Invite people over. House is always clean. Get it off the floor. Get that Yankee candle. Hit them with whatever that, that recipe was out of that cookbook, and I did it flawless. You come to our house, we're like yelling at each other. Throw that junk in the closet. Kids, get out of there. You know, like you're screaming, stuff's burning, and you're like running to Publix last minute, forgot ice. You're just like, like, this is not my jam. This is not my sweet spot. You know what I'm saying? So, but we, but we know, like, you have a gift. Leverage the gifts that you have 
to help others and to honor God. What are they? Use them. Use them. You're a part of a body. Many members, one body. What is your part to play? You have a part to play. Play it. If you play it here or somewhere else, we don't care. Just play it. We want you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you don't do it here, do it somewhere. Do it, though. Lean into what God has for you. Don't say I'm not good enough. Don't say I, ha- don't, say I don't have time. You have time. You ha- you, I mean, I love you so much. You have the same amount of time as everybody else. <laughs> right? So think, and again, you got to fundamentally shift the way that you think about service to others instead of thinking, don't put it in a box, but a lifestyle of service to others. And so think before you go to work, how can I serve the people at work today? Before I step out of my car when I get home, how can I serve my spouse? How can I serve my kids? How can I, you're, in the, you're in the locker room. How can I serve my teammates? How can I, just wherever you go, again, it's, you have to ask too because the Holy Spirit's got to empower you to do this. You can't do it in your own flesh. Just a heads up. You, I can't, you can't. Like I need God to give me his perspective. So, but don't say I don't have time. Don't say I'm too far gone or I've sinned too much. Like I'm too broken. I can't serve people. I know like I really desire to serve people. I really, I really want to be a part of what God's building, but I know how jacked up I am. I know my story, I know my brokenness, and I know my sin, and there's no way like God's going to use a brother like that. You are primed to be used in the most powerful way when you realize you are a sinner, when you realize you are broken, when you realize you're in need of a Savior. Man, you've never, you're never going to be more effective than when you realize who you are in relationship to who Jesus is. So let me, let me encourage you. Let me rob you of that excuse. What God will do is he'll, if, if, you, if you're willing and you want to surrender and you want to go all in, he'll help you to come alive in him. And you take all of your past, all your baggage, you take your testimony, you take whatever it is that God's working on you in that time, you lay it at the feet of Jesus and he redeems it, put purpose on it, and you can help people serve people. Matter of fact, the areas of your life that you'll serve people the greatest are often the areas that you failed the most. And again, you just handed it over, and you handed over your failures, and he said, cool, teach some people about that, right? And so just think on that, pray on that as we close today. Am I taking advantage of all that God has offered me? Do I have joy in my life? Do my relationships reflect the fact that I'm in service to others? Do I experience uh, meaning, real meaning, and is there a legacy waiting on me, both earthly and eternal? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you for this series and thank you for this shift in perspective. For all of us who are here, Jesus, would you give us over to your heart for others? Would you help us, would you shift our perspective and help us to see people the way that you see people? Would you help us to realize that the whole reason why we've navigated, we've gone through the things that we've done and things that we've experienced, things that have happened to us. or While we have the passions that we have or the gifts that we have is really not for us, but for others. So give us over to your perspective, a perspective that says, Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve others. And help us to lay our lives down just like you did. Lay our agenda down. Really surrender our life to you. God, you want so much for every single person in this room. You have a great call and a plan for every single person in this room. You desire to use them in service of others in huge ways. Help us to not settle for less than you paid for. If you're here and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never really surrendered, have it a moment where you realize who you are in relationship to who Jesus is. You need that moment. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's just a God 
ordained moment where you finally see Jesus for who he is and you get an opportunity to make a decision. Do I go all in? Do I surrender my life? Do I make a decision to follow Jesus or do I make it about myself? Do I make it about others and honoring God or do I make it about me? And if you're here today and you need a moment where you just decide, I'm stepping out of just a selfish heart and motivation. I felt so far from God. I feel so broken in this season. God's been working all my life. I've had family and friends and all kinds of people just, just trying to support me, trying to encourage me in my faith. I've just felt so far, but I just need a moment where I'm in right relationship with Jesus. I need to surrender my life to him. If you're here today with all of our heads bowed and that's you, and you want to experience salvation in Christ, you want a moment where you get to confess him as Lord, but you also believe in your heart. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand in the room and just say, I need that. I need surrender. I need to come home. I feel so far from God and I want to be in right relationship with him. Amen. Yeah. Anybody else? Right where you're at, just pray this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. And, and I lay down arms. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of making it about me. And God, I want to step into the purpose and the call that you have for me. And I know, I know what that looks like. That, that looks like the service of others. And so help me to just set aside my agenda, my motives. Help me to set aside what has been so selfish in my own life and really step into the life and the call that you have for me. It's better. It's better than the one that I have for myself. And I need you. I can't do it on my own. So would you take all of my past? Would you take my brokenness and my sin? Would you take my, my wrong decisions? And would you take my future sin as well? God, you take everything, uh, and, and you've already paid for it, but would you just take it? And you just give me over to freedom, and you give me over to joy. God, give me over to the grace and the forgiveness that you offer. I'm accepting it right now in this moment. It's been sitting there. It's been waiting, but I'm finally accepting what you've offered over to me. And now I desire, to, I desire to look more like you, Jesus. Would you lead me in that? Holy Spirit, would you help me to become more like Jesus as I move forward, as, as I follow him? Less like the old me, more like Christ. And it's a process, but God, would you give me the courage of conviction and the strength to grow in that? Would you give me the grace to just patiently walk with you, Jesus, and become more like you? God, we're so grateful for your kingdom, grateful that we get to be a part, grateful for life change today. We celebrate that. We celebrate your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.